We're going to continue in a time of prayer as we sing a song about turning bad things into good and God's um, constant work in doing that restless weaver. God weaves our world and calls us to weave the world anew. I invite you to into this time of prayer as we sing together and then Annika is going to lead us in prayer and then we'll sing some more. I invite you to be grounded right where you are, to breathe in and to breathe out as we join our hearts and our minds in prayer. suffer needlessly. Yet, confronted by suffering in our own lives, in the lives of others, there are many questions we cannot answer. Help us to find peace by resting in your love. Teach us to be patient with all that is unresolved within us. Teach us your compassion that we might not hurt up others thoughtlessly, but instead bring light and hope. In the name of Jesus, the suffering of servant Messiah, we pray. Thank you. 
Here we are. If I had all the building blocks, if we had all the building blocks to build a new world, what would we build? Uh, I'm Bob, and I'm pleased to have been asked to participate in this series. Um, when Ophelia invited me to uh, participate, my first thought was that you have to unbuild before you can build anew. Sometimes old buildings have served their purpose, are worn out, need to be replaced. For example, uh, urban renewal in, in the best sense of the word, sometimes urban renewal doesn't work out very well for poor people. But sometimes old ways and old institutions need to be unbuilt. What do we need to get rid of so that what is new and what is needed can come to pass? One day as I was driving, a text came to my mind as I was thinking about what I might say to you this morning. And it comes from uh, one of my favorite passages in scripture from the 12th chapter of the letter to the Hebrews, in which uh, after talking about the great figures of the past in biblical history, the author writes these wonderful words. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely. And let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken a seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or lose heart. Now I've preached many times on the theme of the cloud of witnesses or running with perseverance. But the phrase that grabbed me this time was that phrase, the sin that clings so closely. Now, when we talk about sin, we're not talking about those little offenses we commit as individuals. Uh, we're talking about the big sin that is systemic, that is part of the human condition. Separation from God, separation from neighbor, separation from ourselves, or to use Lincoln's wonderful phrase that seems so popular now, the better angels of our nature. I'd like to focus on two aspects of what I see as that sin that clings so tenaciously, racism and greed. Jim Wallace of Sojourners Community aptly calls racism's America's original sin. It feels to me like our nation is caught in the grip deeply of that sin, which clings so closely, so tenaciously. The Hopeway study groups that are going on and will continue are an important part of our commitment to dismantle racism in ourselves and in our institutions and in our society, to get us unentangled from racism and the legacy of slavery 
upon which the wealth of this nation was built. I can't go into detail now, but you know it involves things like economic, on building economic and chronic uh, exploitation and injustice through reparations and other means. It involves unbuilding police profiling and mean-spirited violence and all the practices that have led to the horrible deaths of our beloved brothers and sisters. It means addressing voter suppression that is denying people the opportunity to participate in our democracy. It involves radical reform of criminal justice as we see the grossly disproportionate number of people of color incarcerated in this country. When Jessica Mitford wrote her book, Crime of Punishment, she never could have imagined that COVID-19 could make imprisonment for even minor crimes a potential death sentence. In the civil rights movement of the 1960s, it took government legislative action to begin to unbuild what represented and still represents the sin of racism. That may be the strongest expression for me, at least, of the sin that clings so tenaciously. Greed and social inequity are another aspect of the sin that clings so closely. Workers in meat packing plants were declared essential workers, necessary labor. Now these jobs rank among the most dangerous and the worst paid in the United States. Between 2015 and 2018, a slaughterhouse worker was lost a body part or was sent to the emergency room at least every other day. Uh, it's almost enough to make me a vegan. And, uh, and this is before the pandemic became a factor, when the work became so much more dangerous. Necessary labor? Necessary labor? When so much of what meat is processed in packing plants is sent to other countries. Well, let's take Mount Mount Air Corporation, for example, uh, where owner Ronnie Coleman can get rich so that he can be one of the largest donors to the president's reelection campaign. Our nation must unbuild a system that promotes greed. Charlotte Hendy, our friend and our neighbor, has used a Franklin D. Roosevelt quote to end a lot of her emails. I think it's coming up on the screen. The test of our progress is not whether we add to the abundance of those who have much, it is whether we provide enough for those who have too little. Kind of sounds like Jesus, doesn't it? In an annual address to Congress, what would probably today be called the State of the Union Address, Abraham Lincoln said, the dogmas 
of the quiet past are inadequate to the stormy present. The occasion is piled high with difficulty and we must rise with the occasion. As our case is new, so we must think anew and act anew. Wouldn't you like to hear a State of the Union address like that again? The work of building a new world order happens in the midst of unbuilding the old broken order. We are in a critical time of opportunity now to create a new future. The air around us is thick with encouragement. Time of crisis gives us a time for a new beginning. Gianna Potama is a retired professor of the history of medicine at Johns Hopkins University. She tells how pandemics become an opportunity for new ways of living. The Black Death, for example, devastated the world, absolutely. A third of the people of Egypt died. Half of the population of, of London died. But it was soon followed by a period of prosperity as people changed their behavior and developed new understanding. She sees our present pandemic as a chance for a new beginning. But she says with great sadness, what I see right now in the United States is that the pandemic has not led to new creative thinking, but on the contrary, has strengthened all the worst, most stereotypical and irrational ways of thinking. We need new ways of thinking and we need to be persistent. We don't bend the arc of the moral universe quickly. It calls for running with perseverance, the race that is set before us. It's a marathon, not a sprint. We unbuild old ways as we work to build new ways piece by piece. That includes things like economic doors, opening economic doors for those who have been denied opportunity because of their skin tone. It involves taxing the rich fairly raising the income cap on the social security tax, universal health care, actually listening to people whose stories we need to hear who are outside our own familiar circles. Change doesn't come quickly or easily. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. once stated, that change doesn't roll in on the wheels of inevitability. It takes hard work, long hours, persistence, and sacrifice. And it takes imagination, actually believing that real change is possible and that you can be a part of that change. I love the definition of faith I heard some years ago. Faith is believing in spite of the evidence and then watching the evidence change. So let us run with perseverance, the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith and taking courage from those who are in our cloud of witnesses, people like Congressman John Lewis, who laid aside the sin of seeking vengeance 
in favor of pursuing love and justice. Piece by piece, we unbuild the death-dealing ways and build what is life-giving. Now, the good news for us at Hope Gateway is that is already part of our DNA. It's already part of the way we operate and choose to live. We just need the intentionality of, to let our hearts and minds be organized with strategic long-term planning. The kind of intentionality Margaret laid out for us in the opening episode of this series. We need that because disorganized goodness is never any match for organized evil. Now there's an old Baptist hymn by Robert Lowry, you will recognize it, which Ophelia will sing for us. It calls us to imagine a new future by overcoming evil and to overcome evil with love, practiced with justice, kindness, and humility. So may it be. I hear the sweet though far off hymn that hails a new creation. Through all the tumult and the strife, I hear that music ringing. It finds an echo in my soul. Christ is God of heaven and earth. 
Uh, these concerns for the concerns